Hello and welcome to Revolution 22's podcast. We are a church from the downtown area of Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today as we listen to God's word from the book of Genesis and the life of Joseph. We pray that the Lord will draw us to him as we find ourselves in the story of God amidst suffering. can grab a seat. Um, As we jump back into the book of Genesis, uh, it's kind of sad. We got two weeks left of Genesis, and we are going to finish it. uh, I hope that God has been showing you much in who he is and um, how he's writing his story out as we work through this. I hope that it has been something that God has used in your life, and I'm excited to see how God continues to build on that for his glory here. Uh, if you've read the books, I haven't, but one of the more memorable, like, visually scenes uh, from The Lord of the Rings is the return, of, the return of the King is when a series of beacons are lit, and it's signaling the, to the land of Rohan a request for military aid from the kingdom of Gondor, right, which is being threatened by the armies of Mordor. Well, it's a scene where, where uh, Gandalf and a few of the other people, they kind of sneak in to, to light this fire that, that Apparently, all of this kingdom had known that when this is lit, it's like, we need help. And so what happens is they get up there and they light this big, huge fire and it, it, it goes up. And then the, the, the camera or the CG or whatever it is kind of pans to the next mountaintop and you see it being lit. And then it pans a little bit further out in the next mountaintop and it's being lit. And it's just a series of kind of beacons being lit that's signaling all of the land that this is what they need. And we don't, we don't see any of the, the people down in the valleys or on the hillside. All you see is these, these beacons being set up across the way. And if you will, let me just kind of pulverize an analogy today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig into this one on the beacons idea. We've been saying since the beginning of Genesis that, that this is the story of God, that scripture is the story of God. It's his story. It's not about us. It's about him and what he's doing to accomplish his, um, his redemptive person or purposes. His, his plan has always been his people flourishing and filling the earth with his glory. It's, it's a people in the place of him, experiencing the full presence of him under the complete rule of him. And that's what this story has been. And what we see in scripture as God has retained this and, and preserved this for us and brought this to us, we see all throughout scripture, we see these, these kind of beacon moments, these high moments where you're like, ah, here, here's the story. Here's what's happening. And you see, you know, creation, a high moment. And then there's stuff that happens in there. And then the fall, a high moment. And you're like, what's happening here? And, and you kind of just see it working all the way through. And we've, we've seen this over and over and over again. And, and, and Moses, most likely Moses, is writing all the Pentateuch in the wilderness after the Exodus. And so even as he's inspired by God writing this, he's, he's trying to keep the beacon, the fires lit to tell people like, hey, hey, Jess, Genesis 3.15 happened. The fall happened, but, but, but pay attention. Look for the one because God is doing something and, and he, we get all kinds of information and, and, and wonderful things to learn and, and poetry and beautiful writing across the bay. And then every now and then you just get this beacon like, ah, here it is. God's redemptive purposes. God showing up. God doing something. And see, before he ever um, pronounced judgment on humanity, God promised to fix what was broken by bringing us a Savior King and rescuing us. 
And so we've been saying as you read scripture, as you go through it, all the way up until the New Testament, the question that most of the people of God would be asking, is this the one? Is this the Messiah? Is this the Savior? Is this the one? And every now and then you get these bright spots, these beacons. And as we've talked about it, the, the, the people since this moment in Genesis 3 were out exiled from God. From the fall, they were exiled, they're out. And so we then see the rest of scripture working out how to bring the people back into the presence of God in the place of God under the authority of God. And we see the bright moments. We see with the covenant made with Noah that God is, is reestablishing contact with the fallen world, beacon. We see in the Abrahamic covenant that he's, he's reestablishing how the blessing will come to the nations and, the, and the, who the people of God will be and establishing even a promised land, a place for them to be. This is a beacon. We see in the Mosaic covenant that he is now establishing how he will rule this people through Jesus, through the son of David. Beacon. And you just see this all the way across. And when we come to the New Testament and Jesus is, is doing all that he's doing and he goes to the cross and is resurrected, it's another beacon, another high point where it's like, there it is, this is happening. And as we wait to see the, the greatest finale of God's beacon, the resurrection of Jesus and, and his saints, we, we live in the in-between. These beacons that happen are all throughout Scripture. And they're to show us and remind us that God is at work and that his, he is accomplishing his purposes. This is why it's so important to spend time reading and studying God's word. To, to see the, the, the way that God is communicating, to see how he is, he is drawing out his purposes and to understand him. This is not something you just read once and been like, cool, read the book. I don't need to read it anymore. This is something that we, we live by. We go to, we study, we, we seek to understand, we submit to, and we let the Holy Spirit work in us to bring out and accomplish not just head knowledge from his word, but, but how to live practically as a part of his kingdom that is here, inaugurated, but not yet complete. And as we've been working through scripture, we've, as we've been working through Genesis, we've been saying all along, we will thrive regardless of our circumstances if we find ourselves in his story. And so this is one of those sections of Scripture. In fact, it's two chapters of Scripture. I would highly encourage you to go. It's, it's very, um, some people believe it's kind of the first poem-ish that shows up when we talk about the blessings of Jacob. There's argument on that, but that's okay. But it's always good for us to remember when thinking about Scripture and paying attention to these beacons is that how this would have been circulated to the people of God. It most likely wasn't in print, <laughs> It would have been read out loud, memorized, and then spoken and spoken and spoken. So when you come to spots and you see Jacob in Genesis 35 and God speaking to him and giving him the blessing and telling him to be fruitful and multiply, our minds would go, wait a second, that's the same commission he gave to Adam in the garden. It's important to see these beacons along the way and say, okay, wait a minute, something's happened. When we get to the blessing of Judah from Jacob and he says, the scepter shall never go, we go, wait a second, this is, this is the kingly rule. This is the idea of who's going to rule this. And it shall not depart forever from this house, from this tribe. And so we see this all the way around. And so when it's written with a repetitive nature, or you're like, why is this being said again? Because they're, they're trying to instill in their heart the best way to know this, 
to see this, to, to be able to, to let it ingrain and, and go, okay, this is keeping the beacons along the way so we can see the story of God happening all the way to fruition so that we can know who the one is. And that's what God's doing in Scripture. And so in this section of Scripture, where Genesis 30, 30, kind of 38 through, or sorry, 48 through uh, 50, we see, I'm going to turn the right page because that was way off here. Um, we see uh, this kind of being one of those beacon moments. See, God has already established and promised to, to Abraham that he was going to make him a nation. And then Isaac carried the same blessing and, and the, com- the, the conversation between God and him was said the same. And then it was brought to Jacob. And, and then we see what we've seen in all of Joseph's, in the story around Joseph's life, the, just the, the havoc that these brothers have, have created with themselves the mistakes and the mess and everything else, but yet God in his plan has been using all along a broken people to bring a broken people to him. And so we, we see this happening. And so in this, in this section of scripture, we see uh, that, that Manasseh and Ephraim, uh, Joseph's two sons that were given to him in Egypt, are adopted into the house of Jacob. Now, this is an important thing that happens here. This is really good for us to know because essentially by Jacob adopting Manasseh and Ephraim, what he's doing is he's, he's safeguarding the inheritance and bringing them as equals to Joseph and Reuben and Judah and all of them. He, they become a part of the patriarch. They become a part of the family. And so he does that. And we see in the blessings that he does it kind of reverse where he's like, this is what I'm doing. And it's really interesting because he, even Jacob says, it's not, it's not my choice. I'm doing what God is asking of me. And Ephraim's actually going to be the one that's actually going to be more blessed. And in, in, in patriarchal time, like the final days of a patriarch are decisive phase in life of the family. It's when he provides for future heirs and usually the bestowal of blessing by a dying patriarch was irrevocably um, authority, meaning you can't undo it. And so this is a really big deal. And you see um, when Isaac was going to bless Jacob, he had to eat a meal to get strength to do so. And we see, again, this reads the same way. It's so good to see this. It reads the same way that, that, that Jacob sets himself up to get strong enough in his last days so that he can speak the blessing over his sons, whom now he's adopted in Manasseh and Ephraim. And in each of these blessings, most scholars tend to believe it's prophetic blessings, that he's, he's not only blessing them, telling them, hey, here's what your part of the land is and here's what's gonna happen, but he's also speaking into what happens to them as a tribe. In Reuben, you, you, because of what you've done, you've lost the first birthright, and that's going to be put to Manasseh and Ephraim. And, and Simeon and Levi, because of your atrocities and what you did with, with, with the, um, the Shechemites and all that happened with Dina and that sister, because of that, you're going to be dispersed, and we see that the tribe of Simeon is so small that it just gets a place again somewhere else. But then God, in his grace, brings the priestly people through the tribe of Levi. So they don't have a space, but they are where the priesthood comes from. And so then you see all of these things happen through here. And, and again, there's, there's all sorts of imagery and animals and, and, and all kinds of beautiful language. I would encourage you to go read it and study it. There's something you can learn from each of the tribes in kind of a, a modern-day application for us. But what I wanted to encourage us with is as significant as this is, see, because... This is a time when God is 
mediating his presence and establishing his redemptive purposes through the nation of Israel. And so we see that this is how this happens. Through this people, this chosen people is how God is going to mediate his presence and work it out. And then we know that when Jesus comes, it's no longer a single nation, but all nations under Christ. And so this serves a beautiful purpose, a beautiful beacon, a beautiful moment for us to be reminded that God sustained his purpose, his redemptive plan, all the way through. And that's what we see in this section. We see that, that Jacob, not only when he speaks to him of uh, his blessing, he speaks of him of the blessing being in the promised land, but we know from history that they spent another 400 years in Egypt. So all of the people, all of the sons he blesses, none of them will make it to the promised land. Only Joseph's bones are taken with him. We see that in Joshua, to the promised land. But the tribes of the people will do this. And so this is how it establishes. You get the 12 tribes, and there's, the list kind of shifts a little bit, but this is kind of the land and how it's laid out in all of Jerusalem. You get the northern tribe and the, the southern one, and, and ultimately we see that from Judah, that that's where the kingdom is going to be. He's going to be the strongest, most powerful. That's the one that's going to bring the kingdom. And you see the tribes doing really terrible things and really beautiful things, and all of the things that, that Jacob says of these tribes, what will happen, happens. We see it come through in history. And so it's this powerful stage of life, a a moment where one patriarch's passing on to the next, and we see that that the only reason why these 12 tribes are even existing is because God used Joseph to save them as a remnant. And Joseph really fades to the back. His his role was done. His, His part in God's story was played and ultimately, we see that Judah is the one that comes out as the, as the primary, primary patriarch that we're supposed to follow in this way. And then when we get to the New Testament, these 12 tribes mean so many different things to us. We see 12 apostles, and you can get all sorts of a numerology. I'm not going to do that. But also, you can see when, like, when Peter says we are a holy priesthood and a kingdom, he's using language that says, well, hold on a second. The, the priesthood was the Levites, and the, and the kingdom and the kingship is under Judah. So what's happening here? Well, then you get to the genealogies of Jesus, and you realize that, that as you follow it down, both of those tribes are present. And so again, it's a, it's a, it's a beacon. It's a moment. It's a, it's, a, it's a flash. It's a spot. Stop, look, fix your gaze. Pay attention. And move on. And so what I wanted to do today is just talk about God at work in the Bible. We've talked about this a number of different ways throughout our time in Genesis, but I want to hit it one different way again, and hopefully the Lord will do something powerful in your heart as he has done in mine. Um, these beacons, God's showing up in huge ways. We see him as, as covenants or as him establishing salvation or saving, intervening in some profound and, and powerful way. And we see it in, in the New Testament. We even see him happening. I, I mean, I think like if you'd ask, you know, Peter what one of his, his bank, uh, beacons were, he'd probably say the standing on the mountain, the transfiguration. I mean, he wanted to set up tents right then. Let's establish this is so good that we're here. Like a, a, a spot, a moment in life where it's like God is present. This is God and I can't explain it away. And all I see is God and all I want to do is adore him and admire him and worship him in that moment. Those kind of beacons. Those kind of moments where you're like, everyone around can't argue it because it doesn't make sense. And those who know the Lord dropped to their faces in worship of him. We see those all over. But then there's the rest of the story between the hilltops. 
I think a really fun practice that I've been wanting to do for a long time, I'll just encourage one of you to do it and tell me how it goes because I haven't gotten to it, is, is just go through the scriptures and read where God meets on hilltops. Like if you think about it, so many big things happen on hilltops through all the scripture. That was free. Sorry, moving on. Um, but what, what we don't see is we don't see often or we don't remember often the time between the beacons. We, we forget all the time that happened from literally Adam leaving the garden to Noah. And you're like, oh man, it was terrible. Or from Noah to Abraham. Or Abraham to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob. We see all this time and it's here for us. God has shown it, not, not every detail, but we've seen how, man, there's a lot of stuff in the process, a lot of things happening in broken people that leads ultimately to God showing up, which is wonderful. But if we only see the beacons in scripture, if we only know the cliff notes, the high points, what, what we've learned in, in Sunday school growing up, or what's the more popular things to talk about, well, when it gets hard, we can lose sight of God's sovereignty and his providence in all that he's doing. But if we forget the beacons, if we forget the whole story, this is why, again, I said it's so important to know scripture, to read scripture. You don't need to be uh, the best theologian, but to, to be in his word, and let him speak to you because if we forget the high points, it's really easy for us to go, is there even a God? Are you even working? This is so hard and the values bring us to believing that God is not good and that he's not doing anything or that if he even exists. Imagine opening up the scripture. I have the joy of walking with a few people that are, that are trying to question and understand who Jesus is. And imagine opening the scripture and turning to Judah and Tamar, and that's the first thing they read about God. And they're like, wow, this is crazy. I want nothing to do with it. You need the beacons. You need to understand the covenantal promises. You need to understand the redemptive purposes of God. Without those, we can get stuck in the weeds really bad. And be like, man, what is happening? This is just whacked. So it's a both and. So when we see the whole of Scripture, we must see that God is working, that He is sovereign and faithful. We must read the Scripture and never stop. I, many years ago, I got to go to Israel for a training with some pastors, and it was wonderful. And the, the plan was to train some Chinese pastors with us. They didn't get their visas because of headed to Israel, and it was it was kind of a mess. So there was a few spots. So the the, the team that was leading it kind of invited a few other people. And there's this older couple that came with us, and. Um, this woman was amazing. She's probably, I think, 68-ish, 70-ish. And the whole time, the way that the teaching's happening is, is the, the pastor that's leading it, and he's brilliant and doing it, and he's been there a lot of times, and he's saying, you know, like, well, where was it in blah, blah, blah. And I'm just, I just happened to be standing in proximity to this woman every time. There's like 20 of us. And she would just, under her breath, be like, oh, it's Daniel 3, blah, blah, blah. And she would just utter the scripture that it was. And I was like, well, I wonder if that's right. And I'm like looking, oh, yeah, that's right, Cool. And then there'd be other times where he's, he's like, he'd be like, you know what it says in Matthew, blah, blah, blah. She's like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 and just start saying it. Finally, after like two days of this woman like destroying every Iwana club ever known to man, right? Like, I mean, like crushing it. I finally was like, okay. I sat down, we were in a bus ride. I was like, I got to know, like, like, tell me what, what has happened. Like, how, have you, how do you know scripture so well? She's like, oh, stop. No, I don't stop. It's like, yeah, you do. I'm pretty sure I could, it's like, you feel like rain man to me. Like I could say a scripture and just bam, 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 bam. And she's like, well, God grabbed my heart, saved me when I was 18 years old. And a mentor of mine told me that the best thing I can do is read the scripture every single day. And so I've been reading the Bible, the whole Bible in a year for 50 plus years. 
And I was like, I want to be like her. That's awesome. That's amazing. And, and so she just has the scripture. And so I, I cannot encourage you enough. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've already read that. Don't, don't believe that lie. God's word is living and active. He's going to, to wreck your... And don't just, don't just read the scripture through someone else's lens. Don't just do podcasts or, or, or sermons. Let God and his living spirit inside of you Bring alive his words and let him transform your heart, not just your mind. That was another free side thing, sorry. But even knowing the scripture isn't it always enough for us, is it? Like we, we know this. Like You can say, I've been in this situation where I'm, I'm grumbling and someone can literally say to me, like, you're supposed to be thankful. And I'm like, yeah, shut up, Right? Well, if I was submitted to the scripture, it should, have, it should have broken to my heart there. But it wasn't. We know this. See, I think we dis- disconnect the scripture and what God did throughout history with our own lives currently. Like most of us would be like, yes, this is God's story. Yes, we see him living. We see him moving. We see him interacting very personally with individuals, but also doing collectively great things. And man, he is like, it's a page turner and he is active in here. But it's like he went like this. And he just said, okay, for the rest of time, I've figured it out, I've written the book, it's done. We'll just see what happens. Kind of like you just disconnected and just gave up. Okay, I already wrote the book. I don't, I don't need to do any more. You guys got the book, good luck, figure it out. Let's just wait and see what happens. As if he is not working anymore. I see this in my own life and I see this in the life of so many others. The propensity we all have to see God work in the Bible, to believe that God is at work in the Bible, but to not believe or forget or doubt that God is at work in our own lives. I see this over and over again. So we need those beacons. (laughs) We need those beacons to see that God is real, to be reminded of the the truth that is in here. We also got to remember that there's a process between those beacons. See, God gives us such beacons in our lives. In my own life, he, he has done it fairly regularly, but I tend to and often forget it and lose sight of it, like I'm sure many of us do. Uh, one such beacon, I'll just share it with you, was a most recent one. A few of you have heard this as I've been able to talk to you about it, but um, uh, we, I went to the Philippines for like a week, like two weeks ago, I think. I don't remember when it was. It's all whirlwind. <laughs> Intent was to go and just check on Kyle and, and Stephanie Kirst. They're doing amazing. Keep praying for them, guys. And to check in with the church. Haven't been there since before COVID. And... Um, was really content on going and knowing I need to be there for Kyle and Stephanie and I need to be there for William and Mercy and really need to check in there. I had no idea how much I needed to be there for me. And uh, forgive me, I cannot talk about this without tearing up and I don't, I'm not trying to, okay? I'm not trying to create emotion. But God did something really profound with me and, and when I speak for God, just know that that's not how I always hear it. So if he comes across more snarky than he is, like just that's my own thing, Okay. So here I am sitting in the Philippines, and I'm sitting in the back of a church that didn't exist three years ago, that we stood on the dirt with trash in Market 3. It's a church that this little church, FCAC, in the slums is trying to reach people in other slums. And, and they have been adamantly trying to get this church in place. And so there's, I'm standing now, three years later, in a little concrete room that's probably no bigger than our kitchen over here. And, and it's the church. And I'm standing in the back, and it's full of like, I mean, the room could maybe fit like 70 Filipinos, but if it was all Americans, like 20, okay? So like, so like, 
So it's, there's probably, I don't know, 34, 40 people, whatever, 30 to 40 people in there. And, and in walks Rika. Now, Rika, you would maybe hear her name. She was our first graduate from our scholarship, like graduate of college from our scholarship program. Rika went into the program because she was one week away from making the decision, should she sell herself to give her grandma medicine? Because she had no other means. And Pastor William and Mercy met them and said, hey, no, we want to help you. We'll get you a scholarship. We'll take care of this. And a family paid for medicine for that grandma for a while. And then mom and dad stopped working abroad, came back in. And they were together, and she went through school. She graduated. She's now a teacher in first grade, doing really, really well. And here's Rika standing up to begin the church service. And I know very little Tagalog. Um, in fact, just enough to really confuse myself and everyone around me. But as she's talking, I can tell, oh, she's telling her story. I wonder why she's telling her story. This is like the call to worship or whatever. And as I pick it up, I can see her tearing up. She starts telling her story about how um, I had to ask her afterwards to fill in the, the gaps. <laughs> But the, pre- the, the premise was God's faithfulness. Like, she didn't believe there was a God. And, and that he even, if there was, he definitely didn't care about her. But because of what Pastor William and Mercy did by bringing him in the scholarship program, she said, there's, there's no doubt in my mind there's a God. And so here's Rika, who six years ago was doubting if there was ever a God, beginning the service in a church that three years ago didn't exist, and, um, and with about 40 people who didn't know the Lord, but many of them are now following the Lord. And I, I felt like God said, Brent, sit, sit down. He needs to do that to me again. This is not how he talks to me all the time. This is just what I felt like he did. And he put his arm around me and said, Brent, look. Look. Look what I've done. And he didn't say, Brent, look what you've done. Because honestly, when it comes to the Philippines, I'll be really honest with you guys, I feel like I give it 6 7% effort most of the time because it's just one more thing to try and do that we're trying to do. And I don't feel like I've really given my heart entirely to the time based on how I feel about what's going on there. And so it feels like what's been accomplished is really easy to go, it's God, because boy, oh boy, it is not us. <laughs> and I felt like God was like, look, look what I can do with your 6 or 7% effort. And I was just bawling. It was, it was a beacon moment, church. It was a moment where God met me and said, Brent, I'm doing something. And what's interesting is I have kids, and if you've had kids who's experienced this, you don't ever see them growing until their pants look like you're trying to make capris out of them, right? Like, it just shows up out of nowhere. It's like, why is Judah wearing capris? Like, wait, what happened? Last week, those were the same pants. And that's what God said. He said, yeah, Brent, Brent, you get a really interesting perspective by popping in and out of here every year. And so it's really easy to see where it was to where it is do you believe the lie that I'm not doing that back in Boise? Do you believe the lie that I'm not doing that in your life? Do you believe the lie that I'm not accomplishing this in the little small C church that you're a part of in Boise? And I felt like God was like, don't believe that lie, Brent. And yeah, yeah, maybe the beacons are few and far between. But just because you don't have a recent beacon doesn't mean the process isn't happening. It was such a good reminder for me. God said, Brent, I am doing this in your life. I am doing this in Boise. I am doing this at Rev, accomplishing my redemptive purposes for my glory in my story. And the beacons along the way are a beautiful moment that God in his amazing grace shows us that he is working along the way and that he is working through us in in us for his redemptive purposes. They're wonderful moments 
God is still actively working, not just in his story that we have in the book in front of us. He's still writing his story. He's still accomplishing his purposes. And these beacons, moments of complete joy or adoration of him, feeling so close to him that you can feel him entirely. And even as I say that, some of you lament that you're like, it's been so long. I feel like my quiet times are, are, are null and void. I feel like I can't hear him speak to me. I feel like I'm trying to ask him to do something, and I don't even know if it's what he wants me to do. It's just been so long. And the problem is, is that when we only think about the beacons, we forget. We forget, and we lose sight of the fact that there was much process between each one of those. If we're only going for the beacons, then we're only spending our life trying to create some emotional high so we can just be somehow convinced in that moment that God is real because if we don't have the emotional high, he must not be real. So two things I want to encourage us with this week, the two things that God has been hammering into my life over the last month and a half. One is that we are to remember and be thankful for the beacons in life. I think it's important for us to remember when God showed up. I hope it's ingrained in our eyes and our minds that we can't ignore it. I could tell you exactly where everyone was sitting in that room because God met me and it like time just stopped. He said, look at what I'm doing. And I, I want that for all of you. I want that for me. So we need to remember them. We need to remember that God has done it, not just in scripture, but in our lives. At the very minimum, you know when he first did it in you is salvation. He has saved you and brought you into his family, adopted you, given you the title co-heir with Christ. Sons and daughters. We can't deny that one, at least. And maybe you're like, well, that's all he's given me, nothing else. And, and, and here's why I think it's so important for us to have people that are older than us and a lot of other people that we trust that we can be real with around us. Because I can't tell you how often I've said, God isn't doing anything, and I've had someone that either knows me really well or someone that's got a lot more experience going, Bren, that's an absolute lie. <laughs> Look at blah, 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 blah. And they just point it out and it's like, oh my goodness, you're right. So it's important to remember the beacons, to remember the high spots, but not in a way of chasing down the next beacon. See, because I think this is where it gets a problem is many of us can see where God has grown us. We can look back in the rearview mirror. This is, maybe this is a funny exercise to do at the end of the year. We got a uh, January come, a new year. To look back and look at what God's done. It's really obvious in the rearview mirror. Like, oh, look it. Oh, look it. Oh, look it. You can trace it. If you journal, this is a really powerful tool. Write down your prayers. Like I'm telling you, it's amazing to see how God answers them and works in those as you look back. I can't read my own handwriting, so it's really hard for me. But we'll see those. But we're not meant to live for the hilltops <laughs> until we get to the final hilltop, to the final beacon of resurrection when it's all a hilltop. We, we long for those. But even if we're, if we're really paying attention to this, there's a lot of years between some of them beacons. In fact, some of the people don't ever experience the beacon that God promises he will do in their life. They die. Abraham never spent time in the land that he was sending him to. Habakkuk never saw God do what he promised he would do to him. We see it over and over again, but yet God continually did it. So we need to remember and be thankful for the beacons, where you are and where you are now, where you were and where you are now. Pay attention to those. But if we only focus on where we were and where we are now, we're at risk 
of doing a fatal mistake in our walk with the Lord, believing we're good enough. We're at risk of that. If, if I'm only looking at that, or we're at risk of just chasing the high. I felt God here, so I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to hammer it out until I feel him more. White knuckle it. Come on, God, show up. Second thing I want to encourage you with is we should never forget that there most likely is always a long road in between these spots. These beacons, these high moments that God shows up, there's most likely a long, potentially arduous process where God is working on our hearts, preparing us not to just learn new information, but to live more like his son, Jesus Christ, as we experience those hilltop moments. So that when we get to that moment, like Joseph, we don't take glory for it, we don't take credit for it, we point it all back to God who did it. So you might be in a really long valley where there's so many trees in your way, you can't even see the beacon right now. Take courage. He's working. We, we see it in scripture. It's really good to remember the beacons in our lives. The big victories God has, starting with salvation and the big moments of sanctification afterwards. But it's also equally important to remember that there is a process happening in our lives, that God is in process with all of us, completing what he began. This is a process that will come most likely through arduous, painful, at times like we talked about, alluring us to the wilderness. Because God is about making us more like him and bringing glory to him, not about giving us what we think we need or want in that moment. Scripture says, incline your heart to his ways and he'll give you the desire of your heart. We read that as, give me the desire of my heart. And I'll kind of do something like you. This is a process that comes between hilltops. His moments are usually found through difficulty and long, arduous process. But, but, church, and I've been saying this, I think almost every week we've been in Genesis. And so I'm going to say it again. Philippians 1.6 tells us, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will Bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That's a promise based not on what you do, but entirely on who he is and what he's doing. So this is a process. So if you're like, why am I not seeing victory here? Well, just wait, you will. Why haven't I gotten healing here? Well, just wait, you will. And that's not a prosperity, name it and claim it, you will. That's a he will do it. It just may happen in the resurrection but he will do it because it's not based on whether or not you're good enough or bad enough or do enough. It's based on who he is and he is always enough. This is why, again, it's good to have older men and women in your life. They give you perspective. It's funny, I'm not that old, as old as I look, I promise. But it's funny how much just a little bit of time with the Lord can give you so much more perspective And I I find myself at times wishing I had had the perspective I have now back then. But but that's kind of a a pointless exercise because probably I wasn't ready to hear it back then. Or if I had that wisdom at that moment, I probably would have made it about myself and operated pridefully in it. So instead of just wishing I had done more or been there further, why not just thank him for where he has me now? But, But having someone who has walked with the Lord for a long time, who's seen the ins and outs, who's seen the ups and downs, has a little bit broader view to life. Believe it or not, I don't know if you all know this, 
Experience does not guarantee smarter, but just living a little bit longer does add a lot of wisdom that you may not be aware of. And so young parents, no matter how many books you've read, I promise you, even if someone parents drastically different you, but their kids are gone, they have wisdom to add to you. Just like I would argue if they have no kids, they still have wisdom to add to you. Because why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in them. And God can speak truth through anyone. (laughs) But it's also good to have people close in your life. People that see you on a regular basis in multiple fronts that you can be real with, that they can hear the, the garbage come out of your mouth. And that you are not only wanting them to be real with you, but you're or being real with them. You're willing to let them be real with you where they say the hard things to you and instead of fighting them, you submit yourself to it. Because I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, some of my worst mistakes was when I didn't submit to healthy counsel to people around me because of my own pride. To give you some extra scripture to why I think this is so powerful for us and why it's been good for me as I've been reading through this the last month. It seems like if you look at the beacons, again, I told you I was going to kill this analogy and pulverize it today. If you look at the beacons and you think of them as time, obviously, like, it's never a straight line. We know that. But, like, we, we, we have those bright spots in our life, and sometimes those bright spots come through really bad spots where God shows up and, like, draws us back to him. You know, maybe it's that prodigal son moment or, or a moment where you realize, like, oh, my goodness, I have cheated, like, a Zacchaeus moment. I've, whoever I've cheated, like, all kinds of different bright spots. It doesn't have to just be, like, this is the big part of the story. It's you seeing that you're in his story and how God is using you for his glory in his story. And if you look at those things and you go along, what you realize is that, is that when, when you are birthed into being a follower of Christ, a, new, a new, new, new creation, when you are saved by him, you're, by all intents and purposes, the scripture kind of talks about you being a baby, needing spiritual milk and moving forward. And, and, and when you look at the scripture, you see that, and this is dangerous, but you see that there's a process in our sanctification journey that we're not fully done yet. And I was having this conversation with a friend this last week about the idea that, that it's, it's absolutely 100% possible and most likely co- true of all of us that we can be exceptionally wise in this area and ridiculously dumb in another. And, and, and God is about making us like Jesus. So that means if there is something in the dumbness of ourselves getting in the way of what he's doing, then God is gonna continue to work this out. And this is why I said it's never good to just stop it well enough. Good enough. This is good enough. God, I, like God doesn't, he doesn't give us, I, I, I believe C's get degrees. Like that's like, like, and we may never get better than a C on this side of resurrection, but, but, but we won't be C's in his kingdom. And so God is about working us out to making us more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. And so that means that there's gonna be times where we're experiencing high beacons at the exact same time going, why am I in a valley in this thing? And that sounds exhausting if we think about it being all about us. When we think about it being that only when he takes care of these valleys can he use us. Because <laughs> that's just not true in the scripture. And that sounds exhausting when we think about it being us doing it. But again, Philippians 1, it's based on him. He began and he will complete. It doesn't say me, you, no, he. And just in case you're wondering that, he is Jesus, not us not the person that baptized you. 
he began. And so let me give you a few scriptures. Again, there's, uh, read all of Hebrews if you want to. It's a great scripture about perseverance. So that would be, I don't want to go there, but just read all of that. That'd be a good one. A couple ones here. First Peter 2.2. 2. Like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may what? Grow up into salvation. Grow up. So there is a growing that's happening. Hebrews says it another way. He said, you should have had meat by now, but darn it, I'm still having to give you milk. And again, don't think of this as a hierarchy like I'm a better Christian. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm more like Jesus. That's the goal. Grow up. 2 Peter 3, 18, but grow in the grace. He talks about all the things that, that right before here that are just atrocious things. Don't do this. Like, don't, don't be a part of this, but grow in the grace and knowledge. Grow in the grace of knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Look at that. Give him glory now, even though you need to grow. <laughs> and give him glory then too. This is a process, church. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. Rather, okay, so don't do all these other things again. It's another list. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to what? Grow up in every way. Not some ways. Not, hey, I did it right here. God's freed me through all this counseling right here, but I'm gonna ignore all this. Or, or God's done this in my life over the last decade, but that's good enough and I don't need him to do anything else. No, no, no. In every way into him who is what? The head into Christ. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body what? Grow so that it builds itself up in love. What do we see here? We are going to grow individually and then our growing individually is going to help the body of Christ grow collectively into Christ. So it's a process. So if you're like, man, I've been following the Lord for 54 years. You know, that, that lovely woman in Israel, I asked her, I was like, well, do you feel like you need to read it anymore? She said, oh yeah, I will until I die. Colossians 1, 9, just for one more. And so from the day we heard, from the very beginning, we have not ceased. We heard about you guys, what you guys are doing. We ceased, we never ceased, we never stopped to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. And in what? And increasing in the knowledge to bear more fruit in the work. What I'm getting at with all these scriptures is... is Hopefully, I'm not getting in the way of. Hopefully, the Holy Spirit is, 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 is pricking our hearts a little bit, helping us see that, hey, as far as he's brought us, praise God, but he's still taking us somewhere. As much work as he has done in our life, there is still much work to be done in it and through it for his glory. While you're still breathing, church, you have purpose. Not to make your own story, <laughs> but to play a part in his story where he is accomplishing his redemptive purposes through a broken people to save a broken people. And you may be a decade out from another beacon. I, I pray not. I pray that God meets you in a mighty way, in a way that you're not even expecting it. I pray that he shows up and he, he puts his arm around you like he did me and said, look at what I'm doing. And it draws you to your face before him, worshiping him, declaring you're not worthy. I pray that you wouldn't move past and be like, cool, what's the next beacon? Like a kid opening a Christmas present and be like, cool, what's next? Like, no, 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 no. Like, 
No, let me, let me sit on this for a moment. Let me never forget that you've done this because what happens when we forget? We, we have things happen to us that don't make sense. Like, like we are surprised by the fiery trial when it comes at us, when it's like, don't be surprised by that. Like his word tells us not to be surprised by that. So my hope would be that you would see this as a process. Again, this is done by the work of the indwelling Holy Spirit. It is not you. John taught Philippians, the overview of Philippians last week. He hit this again in Philippians 2, and he's, he's like adamant about talking about this all the time, which I love, and he always reminds me of it. But he's, he's talking about not only is it the indwelling Holy Spirit, but God who is both doing the willing and working, as Philippians 2 says. He's the one that's doing it in us. He's giving us the desire and the ability to do it. He created the works beforehand for us to walk in them. So you don't need to white knuckle it. So if you hear me and you're like, I gotta leave here and darn it, I'm gonna figure this out, then, then you've missed it. But if you hear it where God has brought you, praise him and praise him where you are and praise him where you're going. And maybe this is what we need to do. Maybe the, the thing that we need to do is we need to be um, more focused on the process we find ourselves in while trusting God that he will bring the beacons when the right timing's right. Right, God, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna live where you have me right now. And that may mean the things that I thought I wanted so bad or the things that I thought you were clear on that you're ripping from my hands. And that's okay. Because I'm gonna trust, I'm gonna trust the process and believe that when the beacon moment is supposed to happen, you'll have worked in my heart to where I can actually hear you talking to me as opposed to him sitting next to that chair in that loud church and me being like, wait, what'd you say, God? What? He's, he's, he's preparing your heart to see him at that hilltop experience. It just might come through a lot of valley and a lot of weeds and a lot of mountains and a lot of trees where at times you're gonna be like, I don't even know which way the beacon is. And God says, don't worry, I am a lamp unto your feet. I will lead you by calm waters. Follow me. So I think we should actually learn to enjoy and learn in the process. Live not for the beacons, but remember them for sure. Don't forget what God has done, but live for the process, trusting that God will show us the beacons along the way. He is working through an imperfect people to bring about his completed people through the sanctifying work of his Holy Spirit for the glory of himself to come to full fruition in the resurrection of Jesus and, and the saints. God is writing his story, church. He, it's, not, he, it's not he has written he is writing his story. Now, he knows where it's going, if you want to get in that theology. <laughs> but he is, he is writing it in our lives right now. He's, he's using us in his purposes. And, and one of the best things we can do that we've learned from Joseph, and we're going we're gonna to learn about this a little bit more in, in a couple weeks, when we find ourselves in his story and it's about him, man, it's amazing what God can do in and through our lives for his glory. He is still actively working through the church to bring his people to his place under his authority in the presence of him. So let me pray. In a second, we're going to take communion. We're going to worship. And so if you want to during this song, you're welcome to grab the elements. And then we're going to, we're going to sing. And hopefully I'm singing a way that is maybe a song of um, praise and adoration, regardless of to whether or not we're standing on the hilltop or in the valley or on our way up or on our way down to the next beacon. Would you be willing to praise him and worship him? regardless of your circumstances, because God is faithful. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we know you are faithful. I know you are faithful. God, thank you for showing me over and over and over again, despite my unworthiness,
to be with you, just how much you love me and how you deem me worthy. And so God, I pray for your church right now. I pray for every individual here, no matter how long they've walked with you, no matter how, whether they are or are not, God, I pray that you would just captivate their heart for you that you would grab hold, that there would be nothing that would have value or taste or desire in our, in our minds or our hearts other than you. And God, as we, as we look through your story and we see your, your hilltop, your beacon moments, God, we thank you for preserving that for us. We thank you for showing us that, God. And we pray, God, we pray that we would uh, trust and believe that you have and will continue to do those in our lives. But yet, wherever we are, God, I pray that we would be fully surrendered to not our power, but the power of your indwelling Holy Spirit to walk in a manner worthy with which we have been called. Not for our purposes or our glory, God, but for yours alone. God, for those who um, specifically have found themselves like it's been decades between beacons, God, I pray, um, I pray you'd show up in a mighty way in their life. I pray that you give them the eyes to see you, the ears to hear you, the the heart to, to submit to you, the head to know you, and the ability to walk in that with you. God, for those that don't know you, I pray that you would, you would just grab their heart. I pray when they look at their life and they realize they don't see any bright spots, and the bright spots dim very quickly because they seem fleeting, God, I pray that they would see how bright and how wonderful and how good coming to the light is, and that light being Jesus Christ. And so, Father, um, pray that even now as we sing or as we sit, as we pray, whatever you ask of us to do, God, I pray that we'd be obedient to doing just that. Um, but I pray that we would be doing it knowing that you are alive. You are good. You are at work. And you are accomplishing your redemptive purposes in spite of us at times, God, and, and regardless of what we may see in front of us. So, Father, I pray that we would be a people... Um, annoyingly admiring you in every single aspect of our life. We love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit revolution22.org or on the Church Center app. We encourage you not to neglect meeting together as believers, and may you continue to love God and love others.